Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. We are here today to talk about this MF. <laughs> That's what I called my prep document. This MF. This MF. <laughs> yeah. This MF. We're going to talk about him. And by MF, I don't mean what you think that I mean. I mean the mind flayer. Uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the mind flamer. <laughs> yes, according to Nancy. According to Nancy. <laughs> So yeah, today we are going to talk about chapter eight of season two of Stranger Things, The Mind Flayer. So today's chapter, The Mind Flayer, is written by the DBs. There's a lot of acronyms in this episode today. I have another one later. Oh boy. Yeah. So <laughs> chapter eight, The MF, was written and directed by the DBs the dbs the duffer why do i feel like all of this is somehow something sexual <laughs> this motherfucker is directed and written by the dinosaur bats that's it that's the wow that's that is, them that's so obscene <laughs> the duffer brothers and it aired on october 27th 2017 cool and here is the summary straight from netflix are you ready for this hot pile of garbage. <laughs> yes. An unlikely hero comes forward when a dangerous development puts the Hawkins lab on lockdown, trapping Will and several others inside. Did whoever wrote this only watch the first half of the The first episode? like 20 minutes or so? <laughs> yeah. Like, this what? is not even scratching the surface of what not- occurs in this chapter. And it's clearly, like, a lot of them are just kind of like, okay, you can tell it's, like, intentionally vague or whatever. This one is, like, straight up missing plot. (laughs) It just omits the entire second half of the chapter. Yeah. We just ignored all of that. We ignored the, all of it. It is unnecessary. Who needs it? Yeah. Who need it? (laughs) Who need it? (laughs) All right. Let's, uh, let's do some fast facts. So, from IMDb, I have a quote. Ooh. Dager Montgomery lobbied the Duffer brothers for the scene between Billy and his father, Neil, saying that I can't just play bad because nobody's just bad. I like that. This is very, is it Plato or Aristotle who was oh, all gosh. like, no one does evil knowingly. Oh, I don't remember that one. It, it's been a very long time since I've taken a philosophy class. Is that Plato or Aristotle? I don't know. But I like this fact because... Yeah. I feel like we always talk about Billy and how he's morally gray and how characters in this show often act how they do as a trauma response. Yeah. And I, I like that Dacre kind of lobbied for that. Like, he yeah. he didn't want people to think that his character was one-dimensional. Right. Exactly. This episode also won an Emmy for outstanding sound editing for a comedy or drama series. Wow. Hmm. You know, the sound editing part, when I read that, I was like, 
what was going on in this episode that required such extensive sound editing? I just thought it was all of the creatures screeching in the distance. Oh, yeah, it could be. And like all, all the Demogorgon noises, mm-hmm. really. It's a lot of chittering and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely Demogorgon related. Probably, yeah. This is the first time the boys have seen Eleven since chapter eight of season one, The Upside Down. It's been a whole season. It's been a, a whole li- season. Literal whole season. Yeah. And then lastly, thanks again to IMDb for this one. During the scene in the buyer's shed, when they're trying to get through to Will and they're all telling their stories, Joyce reminds Will about his 120 count box of crayons. Mm-hmm. Which did not exist yet (laughs) until 1998. Wow. Yep. There was no record of any other brand of crayons besides Crayola. So that had 120 crayons in the box. So it's not like she could have been alluding to a different brand other than Crayola. This product did not exist in 1984. And it didn't exist until like a very long time later. Yeah. And I mean, I say 1984, but it was on his eighth birthday. So... True. That would have been, what, 78 or 79? Yeah, so it didn't exist until another 20 years later. Right. Way to go, <laughs> Duffer Brothers. Like, maybe they were thinking of the 64 count. Maybe. Because, like, I'm trying to remember, and I'm, you know, I'm obviously ancient, so I was thinking 1998, okay, I was in kindergarten. We were six. Right? Yeah, we were, like, kindergarten or first grade, and I don't remember seeing 120, but I definitely remember the 64s. There was 120. I had it. Oh, oh. Yeah, well, okay. because my grandma oh, was an artist, so she was like, you oh, need right. these crayons. And I was like, okay, thanks, sense. grandma. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. All right, well, yeah, that's an interesting continuity error. Yeah. Which is pretty rare in this show. So let's get into our scene-by-scene breakdown for this MF. <laughs> <laughs> So one other fun fact before we start, actually, speaking of this MF, the MF actually does not even appear in this episode, despite it being named after him. This MF. This MF does not even appear in this episode. Wow. Imagine the audacity of this MF. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to say we'll stop, but we won't. We will not stop. And you should know that. Yeah. You should just be aware of that. (laughs) Anyway. We start off at Hawkins National Lab, which is under attack. Hopper and Owens are being confronted by a juvenile Demogorgon who has crawled out of the pit in the floor. As the Demo Puppy begins to body slam itself into the glass between them, Owens claims that the glass is polycarbonate, so it can't break. Joke's on him, though, as several other puppies begin their assault on the glass and it starts to shatter. With the push of a big red button, Owens puts the lab on lockdown as Mike tells Joyce and Bob that they are too late. Do you think Owens knows about the Demodogs? Like, to what extent? Like, do you think he knew they were down there? Because he, he, he seems absolutely horrified at the sight of one. I mean, they weren't, you mean down there in general? Because they technically weren't down well, they there. Were like, they were called. True. Remember, they left the junkyard to go home. Yeah, They home. were going home. Yes. So they weren't really down there yet. That's true. Do you uh, mean yeah, just the existence of them in general? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, did he know that those guys were a threat? Them, them guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's a tough one because I feel like while we trust Owens for the most part, he's also secretive about what he has already learned. I feel like. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I feel like with Owens, a lot of the time it's him thinking he is protecting mm-hmm. other people with his secrecy, but mm-hmm. it's it's usually not the more case. of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I just wanted to point out really quick Owens being all like mother of God, right? I noticed this too. Yeah. And then um, the other scientists being like mother Mary and Joseph. We're getting more specific. <laughs> Who is mother versus Mary? I just have to know. Oh my God. Is true. it mother Mary and Joseph or is it mother comma Mary comma and Joseph? I would guess the, the first one. Okay. The, like like we're referring to mary as the mother, mother mary also, okay also joseph okay all right i got I think. also joseph <laughs> i love when when mike makes it to the hospital room and joyce is like what is going on and he goes we're under attack yeah so calm yeah he's just very like matter of fact about it just like no further explanation <laughs> nope <laughs> not necessary no nope. it's fine we get it let's go let's just we just gotta handle this <laughs> so i did a little bit of polycarbonate research <laughs> Marina and I were talking about how, like, if anyone ever saw our chats or messages when we're formulating an episode, they would be like, literally, what is this podcast even about? <laughs> Sheep and plastic. Yes. Just, I'm on polycarbonate.com, BRB. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about polycarbonate, which is the material that was allegedly supposed to not break between yes. the pit room and the actual, like, control room in the lab. A definition. Used in many consumer and industrial products, polycarbonate plastic made with bisphenol A or BPA, BPA. Oh, B okay, okay, I've heard of that. Is shatter resistant. Mm. Lightweight, high performance plastic with toughness, optical clarity, high heat resistance, and excellent electrical resistance. Okay. So is polycarbonate shatterproof? No. No. It is shatter resistant. The heat resistant part sounds useful for their, their needs, though. It does. And this is all according to factsaboutbpa.org. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned so much in this podcast that I never thought I would know or, or need to know. Just in wait. My life. Just wait. It keeps going. Oh, God. There's more. There's more. Okay. So it is used in electronics, 3D printing, CDs, eye protection windscreens not to mention or no mention i should say of dcus which are that? demogorgon containment units <laughs> is this an acronym you made up yes i like it dcus um yes yeah and we see more of those in in coming seasons we do DCUs. hopefully yeah. they're made with better material yeah yeah so when something is bpa free this just i was like what is bpa free then i never knew it is bisphenol a free and usually you see this on like food containers and stuff like yeah. plastic containers used to store food and beverage mm -hmm. bpa free according to cohenmedical.com bpa is known to disrupt the endocrine system in the body wow right it mimics the effects of estrogen and disrupts normal hormone function okay i know wow isn't that interesting wow. that is interesting because that sounds like something that Someone who's like really into wellness would say yeah. and I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. But turns out it's real. Yeah, that's why on certain plastic containers you see BPA free. Good to know. Don't store your demogorgons in a Tupperware. Yeah, I, I've actually like really been thinking about just recycling all of my plastic mm -hmm. Tupperware and just going for glass. Glass. Yeah. That makes turns sense. Out it's not good. Yeah. Thank you for that deep dive on polycarbonate. Sure, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you asked for it. Yes. So as I mentioned, we're under attack. We are. 
The demo puppies begin their onslaught, killing the scientists who chose to take the elevator. Hopper and Owens opt for the stairs. Very smart. Mike insists that they must sedate Will because whatever he can see, the shadow monster can see too. Joyce hesitates as Will violently protests, but when she asks Will if he knows who she is, he unconvincingly says, your, your mom. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. When it's in quotes, I feel the need to impersonate. That's what it's there for. Thank you. Joyce demands Bob hold Will down, and she apologizes profusely as she sedates her son. Oof. This this whole scene is like, Stranger Things is just so good at creating a scene that is chaotic, emotional, mm. high stakes, scary, great dialogue. And we see it a lot. We do, especially this chapter. There's something about this chapter that was very... I just feel like it, I have no word for this, like no one single word, but it just, Mm -hmm. there was just a, there's just a spectrum of feelings that a person Mm -hmm. can feel. And I just feel like you feel all of the feelings watching this episode. At once. At one whole time. (laughs) One whole time you feel all the feelings. Yeah. I feel like, like Stranger Things, but just like specifically, they do that like escape sequence so well. Yes. Like we are running from something. It is chaotic and it's scary and they do it so well. Yeah. I love how the first Demogorgon attack we ever see on this show, (laughs) right, happens to the scientist in the elevator. Yeah. And then these scientists all opt to take the elevator and I just feel like that's an homage to like the opening scene of of the show. Yeah, I, I I said, have we not learned to stop taking the elevator? Also, <laughs> also, we don't ever see a, the Demogorgon in season one feed on humans in mm-hmm. Hawkins. He always brought his prey to the Upside Down. That's a great point. Yeah, and this scene in particular, this whole sequence in the lab, this other massacre in the lab, we see the pups feeding in like real time and killing in real time yes which we normally don't see the demogorgon is usually focused in on one target and he he's not going to take the time to like you know hurt people or eat people or anything like that more than is necessary Mm -hmm. to get to his target Mm -hmm. but the the demodogs no discernment they're just killing there's like a like a feral quality to the pups that the the gorgon does not have i find them scarier to be honest yeah they're they're so they just remind me and we've talked about this already they just remind me a lot of like the velociraptors in jurassic Mm -hmm. park yeah and they hunt in packs too so you're you're gonna be outnumbered by them also which makes them scarier yeah that's very true yes imagine being joyce in the scene and this like prepubescent boy is like here is a syringe full of a sedative. Can you please inject your son with this immediately? <laughs> I literally wrote Mike covering his ears too, oh, like as too. Will screaming, let me go, like 1400 oh. times. He just, it's devastating. It is. It is. That part made me like emotional watching him covering his ears. I know. Because like in that moment, you remember he's he's just a kid. He's a kid and he's watching his friend go through whatever this is. And yes. yeah, you're right. Like he does legit say to Joyce, like, uh, you need to sedate your child now. Yeah. Here's a syringe. <laughs> Not to mention go. Bob, who's like, remember in Trick or Treat Freak? Right. When they're dancing, Bob and Joyce and Joyce is like, this is not a normal family. There's no way this is what he thought she meant. (laughs) And now she's like, hold down my boy. So I can inject him with a sedative right here because he is possessed by an interdimensional demon. That's exactly what she meant when she said this is not a normal family. 
it's not her fault he didn't get it it's not bob hasn't even gotten a chance to sign the ndas yet he's just been thrust (laughs) right into the middle of the action here oh don't worry he won't speak (laughs) i'm so sorry (laughs) i think i think the secrets are safe with him (laughs) we didn't didn't even get there yet (laughs) um anyway i just one actually this isn't true this is going to be several times okay is there an age requirement to be considered for an emmy because i am genuinely confused how noah's performance in this scene chapter season didn't even get him a nomination he's so good so good snubbed yeah I would agree. He was absolutely incredible in this episode, in, in really every episode of this season in particular. This whole season. I mean, yeah, he's he's literally playing someone who is possessed. Yes. And it's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And even like when you think about like the shed scene, mm-hmm. like if you don't give it too much thought, it's like he's just sitting there, you know, answering questions. But like he is acting his ass off. He has. It is incredible. He goes. I mean, we'll obviously get there, but like he yeah. goes from like it looks like you're getting through to him and his emotions are coming through. And then he just like flattens his affect like immediately. Yes. Like it's amazing. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know how he didn't win any awards. Okay. Hopper and Owens arrive just as Will's sedative kicks in. Down the hall. Demodogs continue their attack on the scientists and doctors of the lab. Hopper, Bob, Owens, Joyce, and Mike, and a knocked-out Will, flee to a security room. They watch the Demodog massacre through the security cameras as the power goes out, sealing everyone inside. Real quick. Mm -hmm. I used to have a recurring nightmare that a T-Rex was chasing me around my neighborhood. Oh my god. I don't know why (laughs) it it happened regularly in the driveway next to my house. This was Uh where I was being chased and pursued by a T-Rex. And I just think watching the Demodogs like bust through the doors in this (laughs) scene really just reminded me of that recurring nightmare that I used to have. It didn't cause it again, though. Nope. That's good. I'm glad. I used to have a recurring dream very similar, except the thing chasing me was way more comical. (laughs) Oh, God. But in the dream, it was so scary. So my older brother, when I was growing up, he is like six years older than me. And he has um, or he had like a lot of toys that were kind of like from the 80s because he was a little older than me. And he had this one like, do you remember like how Mickey Mouse used to be like kind of terrifying? Uh Yeah. Like like cursed. Yes, like a cursed Mickey Mouse stuffed animal. And in the back of this Mickey Mouse stuffed animal, he had a cassette player. And you could put a little cassette inside and he would tell you a story. Please stop. (laughs) This thing was so creepy. And I would have a recurring nightmare of that thing chasing me around the house. (laughs) This reminds me of this horror game called Poppy's Playhouse. Oh, God. Yeah. Hate that. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Nope. Yeah yeah toys so i think that's pretty scary amanda it, right. <laughs> i'm sorry it's, it's like funny to think about but it's like low-key terrifying <laughs> oh man anyway, so i had to do some poking around to figure this this one out yes poking okay and as per the stranger things wiki many shots of hopper carrying around will unconscious through the hospital are actually the fake body from season one put it to use again right was that put thing just use. laying around Yes. Many shots are just, you know, David Harbour just carrying around Noah Schnapp because he's a little baby. But what about like Jonathan later in the episode? Uh, I wonder if that's also the dummy. Probably. 
when he carries him out to the shed oh that's right i don't know yeah i didn't even see that Hmm. but maybe i know that they use it again in the next episode too okay which yeah we'll get to but i just thought that was interesting yeah that is interesting i love stuff like that this building should be burned to the ground how many massacres are we going to allow to happen at this place (laughs) i wrote this is two massacres in five years yeah that seems like far too many massacres when do we pull the plug on this entire operation i agree well i mean we do but but like it took this right how many more people have to die before something is done yeah it kind of feels like the the first time like how on earth did they cover that up in a way that didn't get the lab immediately shut down who knows i don't know i don't know yeah yeah a weird stranger things laced commentary on gun violence yeah (laughs) how many more people yeah right right like can we can we do something right yeah all right tough scene coming up at the hargroves susan and neil return home to find max missing her bedroom window agape she and neil interrupt billy cosbling as the greek god narcissus asking him where max is billy dismisses them saying he has a date not to mention max is not his sister Neil calls his son the F-slur and physically assaults him as Susan sorrowfully looks on. He orders Billy to find Max like the good, kind, respecting brother that he is, and Billy yes-sirs him, holding back tears. Whew. This is a tough scene. Yeah, but I feel like it's a strangely, like, welcome perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of, like, we are at the Hargroves now, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, we... We don't get to see this. We don't get to see, like, what's behind the curtain of Max and Billy's behavior and relationship. Exactly. So I, I appreciate it from that standpoint. Yes. Also, it's kind of sad to watch, like, Susan in this season and see how, like, still, like, full of life she is and what happens to her by season four, which is obviously, of course, the death of Billy took a toll, I'm sure, even though that wasn't, you know, her biological son. But Neil definitely did this to her yeah is an abusive piece of shit yeah so it's pretty sad to see like just kind of the life get drained from her by season four yeah and you also see how she doesn't condone this man's Mm -hmm. behavior like why are you she even says like it's it's okay neil like you don't have to berate your son yeah (laughs) right and he's like no it's not okay nothing about his behavior is okay Ugh. i do think um there's just like a little piece of dialogue that made me laugh because billy's like what's wrong and neil is like why don't you tell us and billy's like because i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that is kind of funny Uh, yeah i i remember like being a teenager and like that being like a common like parental retort like why don't you tell me well because i would if i knew because i don't know you're the one with the problem this mf right here does not know another mf (laughs) in uh, episode six of the beyond stranger things little special that they did after the season which is on netflix dacre talked about this scene and like you mentioned a little bit earlier he just really wanted to know where billy's anger came from Mm. and he said that he felt that the scene captured a lot about why billy's character is the way that he is yeah i agree i said we get like a disarmed billy Mm -hmm. in this scene which is refreshing but it's also kind of sad and i don't think obviously that neil abusing billy excuses his racism but i do wonder if billy would have had an issue with any boy who came into max's world simply because i think billy has internalized like what men are capable of and that does on some subconscious level probably include himself 
like what he's capable of and i also think like he obviously resents that he's responsible for max yeah which is why his anger is directed at her Mm -hmm. and she can't fight back you mentioned his anger which should be directed at neil right right but he can't safely direct his anger at neil because his father is dangerous so he chooses like a safe target to direct his anger so true yeah i did say i really would have loved a scene of billy just losing it on neil because mm. let's let's be honest physically he could definitely overpower this little ned flanders bitch ass okay yeah. but he just won't because he's too afraid of him yeah but i i would have lo- if there's one person in this show mm. who deserves a, a good billy beatdown, it is neil <laughs> it just shows the power of emotional like fear and mm-hmm. paralysis versus the physical fear and paralysis and just like the detriment of childhood and what mm-hmm. you what you can do to a child because yeah billy is obviously physically capable of sure harming his father if he really wanted to yes but the the emotional abuse he's endured has conditioned him to mm-hmm. think he's powerless yep that's really sad for billy mm-hmm. and i can imagine that this behavior from neil f- only furthers and fuels his uh, billy's resentment for max oh because- sure yeah it's awful yeah also i just need to point out that the simple fact that neil refers to a hypothetical teenage girl as a whore so easily is all we need to know he's got a lot of nasty language that he just has like woven into his personality and i'm gonna go out on a limb here and be controversial for a second that man says the n-word oh 100 that man 100 says the n-word yep with no problem nope no issue with that nope oh dear lord yeah hate neil hargrove he He's the worst. He might be the worst character in the show. Worse I, than Lonnie. I could see that. Because, I mean... Worse than Lonnie. I don't know if Lonnie was... I mean, obviously, quick tip, don't abandon your child. Yes. Uh, it's not, like, ideal. Pro tip. I understand do that, that mental illness can, like, sometimes impede your ability to feel capable of raising your child. But yeah, there are solutions to not abandon your child. So Lonnie sure. kind of sucks. But also, Neil really also sucks. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And at the same time, like, you know obviously emotional abuse can be just as bad or worse than physical abuse sometimes but we've never seen lonnie be like physically abusive no he's definitely manipulative though this is all such an interesting like commentary on just we have like the papas of this show like we have hopper and we have lonnie and we have brenner and we have neil and we have all these Mm -hmm. dad figures and bob like it's just it's fun to kind of think about all the dads yes it's it's interesting like to see the ways that they differ because a lot of the mothers in the show are very similar but the dads of the show are all very different we gotta do a mamas and the papas episode. i think we do <laughs> i know i right? think we're formulating a new episode Take here terry and joyce and karen yeah yeah we'll get back to you all on that that i think we might have just formed that in real time <laughs> it might be on our list already it might it, 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 very it well might be, be. <laughs> anyway on the railroad tracks, Steve accidentally reveals to Max and Lucas that Dustin attempted to domesticate Dart, leaving Lucas furious. As they argue over whether or not Lucas also broke the rule of law by telling Max the truth about L, Steve hears the screech of demodogs in the distance. They decide to head towards the sound, only to discover that it is coming from the lab. <laughs> I love Max breaking the, the fourth wall of the horror genre. Why are we walking towards yes. the sound? <laughs> I said that too. She's the only rational one here. She's like, guys, like, why are we going that way? Like, hold on. It's like that commercial. Let's just hide behind the chainsaws. 
like, why don't we just get into that running car? Are you kidding? No. <laughs> and the the killers, they're like, are they what? stupid? <laughs> Um, I really love this scene because mm-hmm. Lucas and Dustin are having like a legit heated argument they are. right now. Like they they're really arguing, and uh, then something happens that makes them realize it is completely irrelevant. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, doesn't matter, and I love that. I did think though because you're right, they are having like a very heated debate. But do you think they're even? Because like no, Dustin housing Dart was objectively more dangerous than Lucas telling Max the truth. Because the the thing is that it only puts Max at risk, really, to tell her. But versus with Dart, it puts literally the whole world at risk. Yeah. Okay. I personally I feel, I mean, neither of us are wrong. I personally feel that Dustin housing Dart, like how much did that really contribute? I guess that's true. To what happens? I guess that's very true, right? Like it's not like him putting him in a terrarium is what caused the outcome yeah all the demodogs were already brewing right yeah dart being domesticated for three days didn't do anything to change the fact that the other demodogs were already going through their growth process right that's very true i will say given the information that each justin and lucas had about the situation i'm gonna go ahead and say justin's offense is a little worse Mm -hmm. to me because from the information he had, he knew he was housing a baby Demogorgon. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't know what, what it was going to lead to, but it couldn't have been anything good. And True. Lucas knew that, you know, other than Mike, Max was being accepted as a friend of theirs. And I feel like he, yes, he overstepped the line, I guess, but he felt like he didn't really have a choice because he likes Max and he wants her to be friends with them. So I don't know. I feel like the intentions are different. Yeah, the intentions are definitely different. I wonder, though, like what would have happened if Max had ended up not being somebody that they could trust with the information and then she Mm -hmm. went and spread that information. Yeah. I mean, that was always a possibility. Like we didn't know what Max was going to do with that. That's true. We and that could know. have been more dangerous. We didn't know. Not to yeah. mention, like, now Max is not really okay. Yeah, no. I don't know. This is a tough one. No matter. No it wonder is. they were debating <laughs> yeah. whose offense can, was worse. I can see why they were arguing, because we are also arguing about which <laughs> one's worse. <laughs> That's a tough question. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Did you catch Dustin saying... So Dustin says that Dart has molted three times already. Yes. Right? And then Max is like, well, is he going to molt again? And then Dustin is like, well, it's going to be soon. Implying that there is a molt process between the Demo Puppy and the Demo, the Demogorgon. Oh, and we didn't. Yeah, we, we weren't sure of that at yeah. the time when we made our episode. But now, yeah, it seems like it's kind of confirmed. Although we may be leaning back into the Dustin is always right thing. True. But I'm, but I'm pretty sure there is a molt. I would imagine there's a molt. So is that the egg? Yeah, maybe. The yellow cocoony looking egg thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it feels, feels likely. And then the Demogorgon <laughs> is eating its own eggs. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Okay. On. Cute. Chickens do that. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think in my brain, just there, I'd like already moved on to the next scene. <laughs> so that like hesitation, that pause chickens do that it was just like it caught me i'm like chickens do what what do chickens do (laughs) yeah they they do (laughs) back at hawkins lab owens locates the nearest exit on a map and explains that someone needs to reboot the computer system to unlock the doors hopper volunteers as tribute but bob interjects because he's the only one who knows basic 
A nervous Joyce embraces Bob, but he assures her that he's Bob Newbie, superhero, (laughs) (laughs) crying in the club already. (laughs) I agree. I don't know. Something about watching it again this time around made me like acutely aware of Bob's death that I just I I, I previously kind of overlooked it because I was like, I don't know. I'm like a jopper girl. So this doesn't really do anything for me. But I just started to think of Bob differently watching it like this I don't know. I know. Number of he was, times. He just, he was so brave and willing to put himself out there. I love the little bit of dialogue. There's just a lot of good dialogue in this chapter too. Yeah. Between Bob and Hopper where Bob's like, if you want to unlock the doors, you have to completely reboot the computer system and then override the security codes with a manual input. Right? Uh-huh. And then Hopper's like, fine, how do I do that? <laughs> and Bob is like, you can't, not unless you know basic. And Hopper's like, I don't know what that means. means. (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh so hard in that moment. He delivers the line. So it's like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) So clear. I know. No, like every word was enunciated. Perfect. I don't know what that means. (laughs) So good. I just need to ask, why does Owens have the schematics of the entire lab? in this maintenance closet <laughs> is it a maintenance closet isn't it the security room oh you're right it is a security it would kind of make sense right yeah okay okay i could buy that i could buy that okay okay that's fair i just needed to mention also that as a reminder when i was watching the series when it first or the season when it first came out i had a broken ankle and i was you know bed bound for a little while and so me and eli were like really into watching this and we were kind of binging it but we didn't live together at the time so i would like have to wait for him to come over and bob dying got spoiled for eli oh my god several episodes before we got there and he was kind enough to not spoil it for me also that was so So, nice of him shout out to eli for for letting me be surprised by the saddest death of the century i would not have had that kind of self-control i would have been like do you want to know the spoiler i know i I, like he's he did tell me he got a spoiler Mm. and he was like but i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna tell you like what the context of it is at all smart and i was like thank you thank you (laughs) yes so bob and hop leave the security room and steal an id and radio off a dead guard hopper gives bob his gun and asks bob if he knows how to use it to which bob replies no (laughs) hopper gives him a quick lesson and orders bob to come back if anything goes wrong bob tells hopper not to wait for him when he gets the doors open and begins his descent into the basement i think the hard cut from the previous scene of bob newbie superhero Mm -hmm. to the dead guard just feels a little bit intentional oh you're right it definitely is right it was just he says that and then the next the literal next scene is the guard that is dead that they take (laughs) the id and the radio off of like oh yikes i had to laugh when (laughs) when bob is like learning how to use the gun and hopper just pushes it away because bob (laughs) is accidentally pointing a gun at him (laughs) i didn't catch that it's very funny he's like okay yeah point and squeeze got it and hopper's just like nope (laughs) nope please don't point that at me i love the demonstration of like their different skill sets though and like what they both bring to the table here like it's so cute hopper doesn't know basic and bob is like computer 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 language language it computer and (laughs) and and hopper's like gun 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 like bullet (laughs) bullet (laughs) 
and neither of them are totally understanding the other one but gun 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 <laughs> bullet computer yeah binary code zeros and ones and ones and zeros like uh, they just have different skill sets though and i feel like it's such a nice thing to see because at the end of it all they both have to they're both needed they both have to use these skill sets to get the goal done yes this is a great moment between joyce's men yes i literally just i wrote amanda joyce knows how to pick a partner she sure does she got one bad egg that we she know did, like, of and, and i love that because i feel like we kind of assume that she is like not lucky at love and things like that mm. but lonnie was really the only strikeout really the only bad egg yeah the other people she's been interested in have been kind of awesome they're just wonderful like hopper yeah. and bob like you can't i don't know if you can get better than either I, of them i agree i mean watching hopper effortlessly carrying around will whoo let me tell you <laughs> i just didn't want to say anything there i just wanted to isolate that <laughs> just, we'll leave it at that fans self <laughs> we sound like we're like 50 year old women i am a 50 year old woman <laughs> on the inside I actually just saw this TikTok and it was like your middle-aged New Jersey coworker when it starts snowing. Oh god, it's really coming down out there. You think they're going to send us home? <laughs> I hope they better send us home. Hope they solve I'm the like, roads. This is me. Like that woman is me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Nancy oh, and Jonathan boy. arrive at the lab to find the gate locked and the lights off. They end up finding Steve and the kids walking out of the woods. Nancy and Jonathan proclaim that they are looking for Mike and Will as a loud roar is heard from the direction of the lab. The lab being in complete darkness and like the security cameras going off. It is just like perfect horror to me. Mm -hmm. Like it's so eerie. And like you even got that pan out of the lab and you can see the lights gradually going off. Yeah, it's just it's in the, the the roars and the screeches coming from inside, but like also far away. Yes, very scary. And it's just it's it's spooky. It's some spooky shit. It is some spooky shit. Some we SS. <laughs> oh, I love acronyms. They're so fun. <laughs> I, I was going to say, speaking of the lights, it always kind of bothered me that the lights flicker in like a very rhythmic mm -hmm. pattern. Wouldn't it be kind of random with the demodogs like all over the place? Yeah, I guess. I never thought about that. Yeah. Like every time it, it, there's kind of like a swell of mm. lights and then they turn off. Mm. And yeah, I always felt like that was like way too rhythmic. Needs to be more random. Yeah. Also, before we leave this scene, I just have to say, Steve, Nancy, Jonathan, Jonathan <laughs> SpongeBob. <laughs> I don't why but this scene of nancy jonathan and steve reunited made me acutely aware that the halloween party scene was this season ages ago it feels like eons ago like, like and it's the, not even been a week but it feels these are different people they're like who are you people they have changed drastically over the course of the last like four days four days have passed and that halloween party was like like last weekend yeah it was. It just, I think it was like on a weekday. It was like on oh, a Tuesday. Right. Or something. <laughs> it was a Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did deduce. But yeah, it made me hyper aware of the the small amount of time yeah. that is passing with so much changing. So much. So much has happened. It, it really has.
Bob fearfully maneuvers the basement of the lab, coming across numerous dead scientists before he is able to successfully restore the power and reboot the system. Bob unlocks the outdoor gate, allowing Nancy, Jonathan, Steve, Lucas, Dustin, and Max to enter. The scene really reminds me of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's a scene where Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street is mm-hmm. navigating the boiler room and it's just like going down steep metal steps and like mm-hmm. there's like the steam that comes out of the pipe that startles Bob. It's just it really reminds me of Nightmare on Elm Street a lot. Yeah and probably on purpose. Yeah. Nancy is also like the only one paying any attention here in this scene. <laughs> they're all just like like arguing. They are and, arguing. And I don't know what they're arguing about. I, I don't know. They're arguing about the last time they saw Will. Oh. <laughs> which I said was probably in the field when he was possessed, when he yeah. was being possessed outside of the middle school. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is the last time any of them have seen one. Yeah, that's what they're arguing about. She's just like, oh, the gate's unlocked. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Nance. I also love the sequence with Bob just like typing in random stuff <laughs> into the computer. Like, hacker voice, I'm in. <laughs> it's like that stupid thing about, what is it, Dilemma, the music video? Where oh my god when she's texting she, him on an excel an spreadsheet, excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> like like this is this is what it looks like hold on i'm hold hacking on. splash um this interaction did you catch this between jonathan and dustin where no. jonathan is frantically trying to open the gate right with oh, the yeah. button and then dustin comes over and is like let me try and jonathan is like no no hang on and then dustin is like let me try jonathan like why is dustin so mad at jonathan so antagonistic <laughs> for no reason jonathan's like okay guy and all he does is press the same buttons jonathan was just pressing <laughs> and then he thinks he did it when yeah. all that happened was bob unlocked the gate on the inside this is, this is the start of dustin's overconfidence wow there it is four. this yeah. is it this is the it's ego trip that he's yep here we go yep. yeah so just as bob thinks he is in the clear owens warns that a demodog has entered the nearby stairwell i have a What's question happened? i have a critical oh, have a question, question. Oh, okay i have a crucial question what before we move on does Bob unlock something that he shouldn't have unlocked? It kind of looks like he just unlocks everything. Is that why the Demodog ends up in the stairwell? Maybe. The only reason I say that is because he unlocks third, second, first floor gate basement. So, like, did he unlock something that enabled the Demodogs to enter the west stairwell? I don't know if that's true, but it just seemed weird. They show this, like, very specific shot of him unlock, 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 unlock. Yeah. It just, I that thought of that. That actually makes sense. Which, like, I, I guess in his mind, he was like, it's going to give them the best chance of getting out right. at this point. But, but yeah. did that, that contribute? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Sorry. That does make sense. I just, I had to say <clears throat> it. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. Owen warns that a demodog has entered the nearby stairwell. Being the genius that he is, Bob uses the computer system to trigger the sprinklers. <laughs> hold, hold on, guys. There's, there's a hacker in the podcast. <laughs> We're going to splash it. Okay. Anyway. Splash. <laughs> he begins his journey back to the group, not realizing he's left behind a hop's gun. Oh, no. As the group prepares to leave the security room, Owens equips Hopper with a radio and heroically decides to stay behind, planning to use the security cameras to guide them out safely. We got company. Did you realize how Bob knows to use the sprinklers? No. Because he's the one who figured out that the tunnels were avoiding water. That's right. My brain did that this time around. 
Yay. That's why he was like, hold on, maybe water. And that's why he triggered the sprinklers. Genius. Genius. Bob the brain. He really is Bob the brain. Yep. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes he is. I run. <laughs> right? Sometimes I hide. <laughs> this is like kind of, I'm scared of you. <laughs> kind of like relevant to this sequence right? of scenes here. Right? But Me all I really want is to hold you tight. No, not that part. Anyway. Yeah, I, I just wrote in the scene, like, we are finally 100% certain that Owens is a good guy. Yes, I wrote the same thing. He is yep. titanicking. Yeah. He is the captain going, going down, down with his ship. He sure is. Right? He's going down with the ship. He is going down with his ship. And you know who wouldn't have gone down with this ship? Enya. I'm pretty sure that was Dido. You're right. But I was thinking more of Brenner. <laughs> <laughs> That, that makes more sense. <laughs> I, I don't think Enya or Dido are on the show. <laughs> that makes way more sense. Bob continues his journey to the exit, guided by Owens over his radio. He has a terrifying near miss with a demodog, but is able to duck into a closet before anything tragic happens. Thank goodness nothing tragic happens. I mean, Owens saying it's getting a little crowded up here. Is that because Bob unlocked another floor granting mm -hmm. access? It, yeah. It does. It's kind of seeming likely that that is accurate because they did yeah. get in the stairs to access. So that they were on the third floor, right? Yeah. And then the elevators. The scientists took the elevators, and Hopper and Owens opted for the stairwell to get to Will's room. Yes. Theoretically, meaning that they were on the third floor. Yes. And then they descended. So the demo puppies would have also been on the third floor. Yeah, because they took the elevator up. But I'm wondering, like, could they just not? get into the stairwells because they were locked is the pit room like the control room with the gate is that the first floor and then the basement is immediately below it and hop and owens ascended upstairs because then owens says the basement is three floors down so we have to assume they're on the third floor also yeah why are there only three floors worth of rooms to unlock this building has like at least 15 floors but that's besides the point yeah i'm just trying to figure out like where were they oriented in the building because yeah, they were on a different floor than where the demodogs came from, which would technically mean that Bob unlocking all of the floors would have... Yeah, because my my understanding is that the only way that the demodogs made it out of the basement was on that elevator, meaning that they should have been trapped on whatever floor the elevator led off on. Sure. Because they can't operate an elevator <laughs> themselves. I'm, I'm imagining... I mean, we I don't, don't know their we can't. We can't we know that know. for sure. That's very true. We do not know that for sure. But I don't know if the stairwells were locked. And right. That's why maybe they couldn't get through. Although they can like bang down doors. True. So who, who knows? Okay. Who's to say? Yeah. I don't know. I just had to say too in the scene, like Sean Astin, I think a lot of people discount people who became famous as child stars. Yes. Agreed. His acting is wonderful. Yeah. He's so good in this scene. He's all sweaty. I know. He's so scared. And I thought his scared acting was just so good. I think this whole scene is just great entertainment. Like, no, I don't mean it mean. Like, I don't mean it negatively. I just mean, like, the suspense. It's yeah. action-packed. Like, you watch Bob hesitate to get in the closet. And then mm -hmm. Owens is like, get in it now. Get ahead. Yeah. It's just yeah. good. It's good entertainment. Like, as a viewer, I am yeah. I am on the edge of my seat. I am scared. Mm -hmm. I am nervous. I am sweating myself. I might be also crying. Like, we, there's so much <laughs> happening. Always crying. And you want Bob to get in the fucking closet. I know. Like, Bob, get, get in the closet. But 
Yeah. No, it really is. I, I remember like I finished watching this episode last night and I was like, I really feel like this episode did not get enough credit. No, it, it was like it was a good it is chapter. a very good episode. It's got a lot of stars. Yeah. Like it's it's one of the best, I would say. As the demodog begins to turn the corner down the hall, Bob knocks over a mop upon leaving the closet, which alerts the demodog because they obviously have ears <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Owen frantically instructs Bob to run, and he makes a mad dash to the exit just in time to find the rest of the group. He he smiles upon seeing Joyce, but the demodog bursts through the door and attacks him. Hopper attempts to shoot the demodog, who is attacking Bob, but more appear and he can't hold them off. He drags a horrified Joyce out of the building as Bob's body is feasted upon by several demodogs. R.I.P. Bob. I'm so sorry. This is sad. So sad. There's oh so much God. happening and it's so sad. I know. I have I have a really important music note. Yeah, what is it? The song playing throughout this whole sequence is the longest song off of any of the show's scores. Wow, what is it? It is called Turn Right and Run. Oh. And it is 7 minutes and 13 seconds long. Wow. I combed through all the other albums to see if there was a longer song. This is the longest song on every of every album. Yep. Yeah. Usually they're like sometimes like under a minute. Yeah. No. Seven minutes and 13 seconds. Wow. Wow. For Bob. And he deserves it. He deserves the longest song. He does. Turn right and run. Yeah. There's so much to say about this scene. A lot. I thought I would pull some quotes from an IndieWire article from 2017 kind of about this scene and the way it was done so also i wanted to add we we use this article in our demogorgon life stages Mm. episode so i thought i would bring it back so christina graff if you remember her uh she's one of the props people on the show and vfx and you know all that stuff so this is a quote from her she said that entire scene was super fun to shoot and it was super fun to do in post but for the demogorgons it was definitely the most challenging so i don't think she means like literally i feel like she's talking about like animating the demogorgons yeah of course was very difficult in the scene so another quote from paul graff who is her husband and also a vfx coordinator on the show we knew he's going to be eaten and he is going to be fighting with the demogorgons so we needed to have the physical interaction on his body of wrestling with the demogorgons gross We talked with Sean, and he told us about his experience from Lord of the Rings fighting with Gollum and how they had, like, 80 takes. Yeah. (laughs) Or or they shot it, like, 80 times until they had every angle and everything figured out, and they shot it with the stand-in, and they shot it without the stand-in. Oh, my God. He, He would really remember all of his moves, and we knew we could not do 80 takes. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then another fun fact here. So Kate Treefry, who wrote episode six, uh, The Spy, was just the right size. And she volunteered As to tribute. be the demodog. Wow. <laughs> the, the, like the first demodog. And here's a quote from Paul again. They played the scene and she had like blood everywhere. Blood was glistening on her hands. Sean was spitting out blood. Oh. They filled his they filled his mouth with blood oh. and it was shot at 72 frames in slow motion. Wow. 
They're like amazing images. We knew it was going to be a little bit harder to clean this up in post and get rid of Kate and just put a dog there. <laughs> but it but it was well worth it. It was really cool. I loved all of that for Bob, like on this scene. Like I like lingering on that. Me too. And I, I like thinking about that Sean Astin had the time of his life shooting yeah. this scene. So it makes me feel a little better. I feel like the demo the demo puppy's lips are so flappy. Yeah, they're like they're like very like and you see it at the end too when L kills the one and it flies through the they're just like very like floppy yeah. when they're dead. They are. <laughs> they are kind of floppy. Do we think I think we need to spend some time here. Do mm-hmm. we think that Bob would have been able to escape if he hadn't forgotten Hop's gun? in the basement honestly no me neither hopper had a literal machine gun right um, and this thing was just taking i think bullets. it was a shotgun are you sure no but it wasn't it, shooting like rounds it was like that, one shot one that's shot true. it one was shot. it looked physically like a machine gun okay but maybe it wasn't i think i, don't I think it was guns. a shotgun but i could be okay. wrong but yeah i don't i don't think i mean first of all bob didn't really no. even know how to use a gun right? <laughs> so i'm not sure how helpful that would have been do we think that if he didn't hesitate to smile at Joyce, he would have made it out? Maybe, but I think they might have chased him and put the others in danger. Okay, so you think that that three to four second them smiling at each other actually saved the outside group? I honestly think so, because mm-hmm. I... I I mean, obviously, they made it out of the lab somehow. So I think that yeah. Bob dying bought them the time, time that they needed. Yeah, his death is just, like, the result of so much, like, little nuancey stuff. You know, like, know. if if not this, then would it? And if not that, then it's just, yeah, like, right. yeah, I think of in season four with Max, like, had Jason just been walking a foot to the right and not stepped on the tape player you know like little tiny things like that that make all of the difference in what goes on like maybe bob just kept running right out the door and smiled at joyce you know at the buyer's house (laughs) like (laughs) we can save this for later (laughs) i'll smile at you in 10 (laughs) but it's just like little tiny things that make or break certain plot points yeah i would agree yeah i have a thing okay why is steve riding shotgun with hopper like overlooked (laughs) oh that's cute i don't i don't know like i understand that bob just died but like i just feel like something about steve riding shotgun with hopper yeah i'll just sort of funny i'll just take that i'll just take it like in my life steve is the one wait is steve driving nope jonathan's driving and then hopper comes in his truck and picks up steve and the others and steve hops in the front seat with hopper cute i'll take it Honestly, though, I really love that detail because that means that Steve ushered everybody else into the car Mm -hmm. before him. Mm -hmm. Self-sacrificing. Yep. We love him. The two of them. Yep. All right. R.I.P. Bob. R.I.P. Bob. (sighs) Tough scene. But I'm really happy that Sean Astin loved dying in that way. Me too. (laughs) Good for him. He wanted to die a superhero. Yes, and he sure did. Hopper and Jonathan drive the group back to the buyer's house and Hopper uselessly tries to call for backup before sitting in silence with a devastated Joyce. Jonathan talks to a sedated Will as Nancy comforts him and the kids mope around the house as eulogy plays. Mike notices one of the puzzle games that Bob had brought over. 
He tells the rest of the party that Bob was the founder of the Hawkins Middle AV Club, and he claims that they need to avenge him. Why does Bob, being the founder of the Hawkins AV Club, feel like an afterthought? Yeah, right? I just we feel like never we, got mention of this before. We would have no, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like we would have known this. Right? Right? Like it honestly it would have been really cute if like in the beginning of the season when things were still like chill, like when when it's revealed that Bob and Joyce are dating, when they show our boys in the AV room, it would be cute if there was like a plaque yeah, in the back, like founder, like president, just some sort of acknowledgement, something, or like yeah. even even like a dialogue between Bob and Will, like you keeping that old AV club running, like something like that, yes. you know? Right? Like how is that never mentioned? Like Will is literally in the <laughs> AV club that he started. Like right? It just it's feels like weird. it feels like an afterthought. I don't. It does a little. I bit. don't know. I I kind of agree. Yeah. I just realized that this is the first and maybe only time that we have ever and maybe will ever see Joyce's bedroom. Yes. Did you catch that that's where Lover's Lake was in the house was Joyce's bedroom? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. There's the little like like somebody wrote Lover's Lake to like pinpoint where it was. And yeah. that's in Joyce's bedroom. Oh, I know. It's a cute touch. I know. Also, this watch through just noticed when they're all sitting at the kitchen table that Dustin is wiping away tears. Oh, yeah, baby, baby, Dusty. I like the little bit of dialogue between Hopper and whoever's on the phone, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Have you contacted the police?" And Hopper's <laughs> like, "I am the police, Chief Jim Hopper." <laughs> I know he's trying so hard. They're I know just, they don't care. I'm also wondering. <laughs> Mike's sense of urgency, right, which is obviously rooted in like a lot of things. Yeah. But like him and Nancy kind of share this like urgency quality. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if it's a trait, like a wheeler trait to make up for Ted's lack of urgency in every <laughs> right? possible situation. That's really interesting cuz like it almost seems like a again, kind of like a trauma response, right? Yeah. Like Ted Ted is so removed, like does not seem to care mm-hmm. really about much. And uh, Mike and Nancy are like, mm, yeah, I hate that. They're like hypersensitive because yeah. they're they're making up for somebody who lacks like yeah anything right. Like, can somebody respond to something right? Anything, any yeah. stimuli. I get that. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's good. Dustin shoots down Mike's plan to avenge Bob because they can't realistically defeat an army of demodogs fair and mike realizes that all the dogs are intrinsically linked to the shadow monster he deduces that defeating the shadow monster will defeat the demodogs too dustin compares the shadow monster's hive mind consciousness to the mind flayer a being from the DD universe that enslaves species with its psychic powers because of its own perceived superiority hopper asks how you kill this so-called mind flayer and dustin says you need to summon an undead army because the undead don't have brains and the mind flayer likes brains the end this is a lot there's so much i yeah honestly i didn't think about this but just reading this out loud i was like oh henry yeah i have um i have a lot of quotes wow i have all we have it all guys so before we get to all that yeah. i just wanted to focus for a second on the mind flayer D mm. stats okay be- because we we get a nice pause on we the do. guidebook and i wanted to read to you a couple of stats so the frequency of the mind flayer is rare yep his alignment is lawful evil mm-hmm. 
which I love because we will be using that at a later date. Yes. Magic resistance is 90%. Oh. So uh, he's he's really good at withstanding magic attacks. <laughs> I hate that. Um, his hit dice, which I, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I believe that to mean the number you have to roll in order to harm or kill him, mm. is eight and four. Hmm. What does that add up to? Twelve. It does add up to 12. What does 11 and 1 add up to? Yeah, there it is. 12. Hmm. Hmm. But then wasn't there also a crit hit 20, something to do yeah. with 8? Eight, 8. Yeah, which which would include 11 Kali and as 1. Well. Yeah. It was like whatever number 8, 11, and 1 add up to. Yeah. 12. Yeah. Sorry, oh. we're bad at I mean, I mean 20. We're, we're terrible at math. Yeah. So, I think it's so, significant. Yeah, right? Like that can't that can't be a coincidence. No. So I'm yeah. Its psionic ability is rated again, I have no context for what these numbers mean, but this is just what it says. Psionic ability is rated two forty one to three forty, which I don't know. That seems high to me. I'm not sure if that's high. <laughs> On a scale um, of four thousand. <laughs> right. Like I don't know what the scale is. So and then at the bottom it says they live in subterranean places as they detest sunlight. They are greatly evil and consider the bulk of humanity and its kin as cattle to feed upon. Mm. And that's the mind flare. Interesting. And one other thing about this scene. Mm -hmm. Snaps in 80s. (laughs) Like the... Why? (laughs) The echoed snap. (laughs) So good. Snaps in 80s. (laughs) So we went over his stats, right? Mm-hmm. I also broke down Dustin's like actual explanation that he says. And honestly, it just further muddies for me this Vecna mind flare um, debate because truthfully, kind of like mm-hmm. what you just said, what Dustin describes is just fucking Henry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It enslaves races of other dimensions. Is this not what we believe Henry did to the upside down? Yeah. Okay. By taking over their brains, using its highly developed psionic powers. We know Henry's powers are highly developed. And And we theorize, and psionic, and we theorize that he used those powers to impose upon the upside down his own agenda. Mm -hmm. Right? I.e. taking over the brains or brain of the upside down, its creatures, the ecosystem. Right? Yep. It believes it's the master race. It views other races, like us, as inferior to itself. Or a unique type of pest. That too, right? Yep. Henry legit tells Elle in his We Live in a Society speech (laughs) that she is superior. Yeah. Implying to me that he also feels that he himself is superior, obviously. It's, It's giving Harry Potter. Yeah. It's giving pure blood. It is. It is very, yes. And then Lucas says, we are talking about the destruction of our world as we know it, right? And Henry says, they could reshape the world, remake it however we see fit. What's happening? What are we doing? I hate this. What's going on? Are they just one? Uh, Are the Mind Flayer and Henry not two separate entities, but like more or less just one? I wonder. That's a good theory. The mind flare is like a physical, kind of physical manifestation of Henry's like negative energy. I don't know. Yeah, it's something. It's I'm like getting like weird like father son Holy Ghost vibes. Like it's mm. all just one, right? 
Yeah. I don't He's know. He's the first one. Yeah. I don't know, man. So I just, I thought Dustin's whole spiel with that little Lucas tack on on the end. I'm like, okay, so this is just Henry, right? It definitely is. And um, I hate it. Yeah. I also pulled out a lot of the funniness, the silliness, the ridiculousness mm-hmm. that happens because I feel like the comic relief of this entire interaction between this crew is so necessary because we're coming off the heels of Bob dying. Yeah. And it was just like a welcome lightheartedness to balance all the tragedy that just ensued. Yes. First, we have Max questioning Dustin's compound word, right? He's like demo dogs. And she, he's like, you know, like demo and like, like dog, like it's a compound. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get it. Right. And then Hop is like, none of this is real. It's a kid's game. <laughs> and Dustin is like, no, it's a manual and it's not for kids, <laughs> which like <laughs> fair enough, Dustin. Fair. Adults do play D and D quite often. Exactly. And then we get the whole metaphor slash analogy banter between Lucas and Dustin. Yes. Right. And yes. Dustin's like, it's like a metaphor. And Lucas is like an analogy. <laughs> and Dustin's like, that's what you're hung up on right now. That's what it is. Yes. That you're worrying about. <laughs> we get Nancy calling the mind flayer, the mind flamer. <laughs> Which like fair. Yes. She that's says a, it so seriously, though. This mind flamer thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, we get Steve comparing the mind flayer to the Germans, just in general. And then Dustin is like, uh, the Nazis. <laughs> not just would, the Germans. <laughs> Mike berates Hopper for not having a plan, claiming that his military backup is useless against the mind flayer and his army of puppies, which is kind of fair. Joyce emerges from the bedroom and agrees that they have to kill it. She wants to kill it. <laughs> Mike realizes that Will can tell them how to stop the Mind Flayer since he's connected to it and knows its weakness and to- deduces that Will can't spy for it if Will doesn't know where he is. We get Mike as the puzzle solver in these two mm. scenes, by the way. Which, again, Nancy and Mike, mm. very similar. Yeah, but I do feel like Dustin kind of sideswiped this role from Mike. Yeah. Like, Mike used to be the piecer of the puzzler together. Yep, that was his official title <laughs> in the script. <laughs> That's what they called him. I'm just obsessed with Joyce's just, like, female rage. I know. In this moment. It's just, like, this grief-stricken, like, I am going to burn this entire world to the ground. Soiled it. She, it's like she, she is just ready. She is. She's, like, rearing a go. Yeah, I love it. And then Hopper, who is like so pissed off talking to the kids, and then Joyce comes out and he just like melts. I know. He softens so much. He's like, I know. I understand. We have to kill it, but how? Right. Before he's so like, this soft. is a fucking stupid game. I hate you, children. <laughs> Merkwood. And then and now Joyce comes out and he's like, yes, I. we have to kill it, but how? Yes, yes my sweet summer child. <laughs> He does. He just like melts like butter. He's just like, oh yes, you. It's cute. I know. In the same the same way, Elle does that to him. I think. Yeah, she does a lot of the time. Me. So the group begins to clear out the buyer's shed, which, by the way, is full. I mean, what are they keeping in the shed? Trash. So much trash. Trash garbage. <laughs> yeah, trash garbage everywhere. Uh, Steve and Nancy awkwardly work on covering the walls, and she thanks him for protecting the kids. Outside, Dustin sadly apologizes to Lucas for hiding Dart, saying that 
his girlfriend, can take his spot in the party since he broke the rule of law. Lucas insists that Max is not his girlfriend, but Dustin objects, saying he could feel it. The electricity. (laughs) This part made me laugh. (laughs) A sad version of kids plays as Dustin walks away with some garbage. Sometimes I write this in a certain way because, like, I know you're going to think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, she'll and, and like I that. Yeah. I laughed so hard. And then, like, I read it to Eli, like, as we were watching it last night. And then I, I like, had paused it while I was writing. And then I unpaused it. And I saw him. He was walking away with garbage. <laughs> he and I was, was like, w- no, he did. <laughs> he did do that. That he did do. <laughs> his, his little voice breaking as I he know. was <laughs> saying all this. He's so apologetic. And he's I like, I, I could feel it the electricity lucas is like what the fuck you talking about (laughs) like justin is so serious and lucas is probably just like what whatever dude yeah i like the use of the shed because it again kind of feels like an homage to the vanishing of will byers where we kind of started in the shed because that's where will disappears and now we're back in the shed where will's about to be interrogated love that right Yes. And it's and, and actually it's it's kind of like an opposite thing. Like Will disappeared in the shed in season mm. one and now they're trying to bring him back. Find Will in the shed. Yes. Love. Yeah, love. That's not the only thing that I've picked up though, like with mm. the with the scene. I like watching Steve and Nancy cover the walls in this scene because mm-hmm. it reminds me of Jonathan and Nancy repairing Hopper's shed at the end of season yeah. four. She and Jonathan spent this entire season two together. So she has this like moment at the end of the season with Steve. And then Mm -hmm. in season four, she spent the whole season with Steve. So she gets this like moment at the end with Jonathan. Yeah. Right? Oh, true. Hmm. In the house, Mike and Max share a moment. She tells him that she understands why Elle is their mage, explaining that Lucas told her everything. Mike continues to insist that you can't sit with us. But Max disarms him with her humility, and Mike walks away, upset that Elle was taken by the same thing that took Bob. Just, like, real quick, do you feel like the kids have spent, like, an inordinate amount of time this season, like, sifting through trash? (laughs) They kind of have, right? Like, they were in the dumpster looking for Dart. They clean out this whole shed. Why are they just always in the trash? (laughs) Mike is, like, rifling through this kitchen cabinet. Like, (laughs) it's interesting. Uh I thought Max was so sweet here. She's really trying and being very patient, mm-hmm. even though Mike is like super resistant and, and being still an being ass. really mean to her. He is. <laughs> yeah. Like she's really trying. She could have left a long time ago. <laughs> her and Bob, man, like right? they could have been like, this ain't it. And just nope. left. I'm out. Uh, this is not. Nope. No Louis one would blame them. Before, right. There yeah. are other women I could date. There are yeah. other friends I could make. Yeah. They could have just made these decisions. Yep. Choices. And, and they're making choices to stay in this absolutely absurd situation. Honestly. And we have to we have to appreciate that. We get this like random shot of the Bo Peep ammonia. Did you Oh yeah. Which like just again, I don't know why, but like Bo Peep and her sheep and the lambs and the sacrifice. Mm. Sheep and the flock. <laughs> sheep.info sheep.info i don't know it's just like why are they showing us this ammonia like i understand they use it in the next scene too but like it was just like a very specific like here is the pneumonia pneumonia i mean ammonia (laughs) here is the pneumonia (laughs) the ammonia not the pneumonia different things different things (laughs) 
So Joyce and Jonathan debate the success rate of their plan to save Will and banish the Mind Flayer. The absolute banger that is soldiers plays as the group prepares the shed for Will's interrogation. They cover the walls with cardboard and newspapers and set up floodlights to make the space unrecognizable. Jonathan carries a still-sedated Will out to the shed, where they tie him to a chair. (laughs) Hopper wakes Will up with some ammonia while Joyce, Jonathan, and Mike watch. Marina, Mm -hmm. you've you've passed out a couple times giving blood, right? Yeah, thanks for that. I just booked a blood appointment this morning, so I really appreciate the reminder. So sorry, because I needed to ask you, what is being revived with smelling salt like? Um, abrupt. You smell it before you come to. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but you're conscious. Oh, you smell weird. it, and then that brings you to consciousness, but you're not, like, awake yet. That's so weird. Yeah, I've had it done twice. Wow. Where I've been brought to by <laughs> ammonia. That's crazy. <laughs> not pneumonia. Yeah, not pneumonia. <laughs> not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to ask about your personal experience with this situation. <laughs> yes. All the times that you've been locked in a shed to be interrogated. <laughs> yeah, it's happened more often than I'm proud of you know (laughs) interrogations in a shed yeah (laughs) i feel like one would be (laughs) be more times than anyone would be proud of (laughs) that's funny i said this to you privately yes because we have this really bad habit amanda and i of doing the podcast before we actually are doing the podcast (laughs) always but if i could have soldiers playing during all of my future productivity montages I would want that. Yeah. Unloading it's, the dishwasher. It fo- is a banger. Folding sure. the laundry. Scrambling eggs, perhaps, <laughs> like my boy. In slow motion. Yeah. No, but for real, everybody, go listen to Soldiers. Pause right now. It is it is again. Sure is. Sure is. <laughs> it really is. In the house, Steve practices his baseball swing. Nancy stands around looking anxious mood and max asks lucas what happens if the mind flayer finds out where they are lucas ominously tells her that it will be judgment day (laughs) no big deal this is like mike like we're under attack and lucas like judgment day like they're just so matter of fact like why is lucas just like living for the drama right now like why like why did you phrase it like that so into it judgment day like we get it you're in your little like army get up where you're like ready to to attack but sir come on he's living the dream yeah lucas definitely thinks he is rambo this is like they are reading sci-fi and now they are living in a sci-fi they are living their best lives i don't know it's like bob when he goes into the tunnel and he's like i'm in will's map i'm in the map like (laughs) so exciting yeah and and again like i said earlier if i was max i would be like I've seen enough. I'm going to go home now. I will be leaving now. Nothing is holding me here, you know? No. I'm I not mean, tied up like Will with wire because the buyers what? had no rope for some reason. They had everything fucking else but no rope. Yeah. I mean, Eli said when I mentioned that, he was like, yeah, but aren't there like demodogs just like roaming outside? True. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, this girl has had so many opportunities to be like, I am done. I'm outie. I'm yeah. Nope she's in it for the long haul props to her for sticking it out (laughs) now awake and very angry which again relatable Mm. will struggles against his restraints and demands to know 
why am I tied up? Why am I, like, just, <laughs> why am so I many, tied up? He just wants to know 3,782 times he needs to ask. Why I counted. Am I tied up? Yes, we made sure we counted. His voice becomes weird and possessed like, which, um, thanks, I hate it. After screaming, let me go, 30 times, Joyce gives him her best mom face and asks Will if he knows what March 22nd is. It's his birthday, which everyone forgot about in season four. So sorry. So sorry. When he's, when she was like, do you know what March 22nd is? I was like, no, and neither does anybody else. No, the whole nobody knows. <laughs> um, Will doesn't even know that. Elle no. doesn't know that. Mike, no. who came to visit, doesn't know that. Yeah, no. nobody knows that. So it would not be that shocking to find out that Will also doesn't know. Is Will, like, really unnecessarily a Taurus? Like, he just doesn't really give Taurus. I feel like it's too early for Taurus. He's an Aries. He gives even less Aries. Yeah, he does give way less Aries. That's why they didn't follow through. Yeah. They were like, this kid's not an Aries. He's not. Steve is an Aries. Absolutely. Steve is an Aries or a Taurus. Mm -hmm. And... I would say, if I had to guess, Will is, like, either a Cancer or a Capricorn. Maybe a Libra. Or, honestly, he could be a Virgo. I was going to say Virgo. He yep, could that 100% would, be a Virgo. That would be my next That would be my next one. By the way, we're, like, not really, like, astrology people at all. No. We have, like, legit no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I just know the months and then the, the cusps. Yeah. I don't know why I find Hopper showing Will his drawing of the Mind Flare so funny. <laughs> Me too. He's because- like, you recognize this? Because it's like, the what, mind flare in there. What was he expecting Will to be like, oh, yeah, that's the self-portrait I drew earlier yes. in the week. <laughs> like, what was he expecting? This, the shading is incredible. Can I, can I blow this up and Actually, put it in, in the upside down? Because yeah. this is a really good, this the, is a really good The picture. likeness is just, it's like impeccable. <laughs> like, is that what Hopper was waiting for? Right. Like, was he waiting for the mind flare to be like, yep, that's me. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a mirror, actually, my guy, that you're holding up. Also, before you wrote the possession voice in here, I had never noticed that. I had never noticed it. Mm-mm, it's no bueno. Until I read it in here, and I was like, oh, my God, that yeah. is so scary. It's really subtle, but it, it, it is. is there. He gets, like, slightly deeper, but his regular voice is layered over the top. Ugh, hate it. As I was watching this scene, our table lamp started to flicker. So I just really appreciated the immersion of that. <laughs> Thank you so much. I was like the looking Duffer over Brothers. at it. I was like, you good, lamp? They really they really make sure that we really feel like we're in, in the scene. They yeah. involve all of the lamps. Yes, it's incredible. All of the lamps. Lamps. A slightly calmer Will listens as Joyce tells him the story of buying a giant box of crayons for his eighth birthday. He used them to draw a rainbow ship, and she hung it up at work. Jonathan then reminds him about the day Lonnie left. They built Castle Byers together in the rain, and Will was so bad at hammering, he missed the nail every time. (laughs) Finally, finally Mike steps forward to tell Will about when they first met in kindergarten. Mike had no friends, and he was so alone, but Will was also alone, so they agreed to be friends. It was the best thing Mike's ever done. The trio concludes their emotional storytelling— all for Will to coldly say again, let me go. Let me go. Fuck you and your stupid tales. I just love the fond memory of when dad left and you hit yourself in the fingers with a hammer and then we caught pneumonia. Literally. Man said, remember that time our father abandoned us? 
Then we got sick for a week because we stood in the rain. Also, you suck at construction. Way to go. Also, you're really bad at hammering stuff. (laughs) Um, I hope this helps. Like, thanks, Jonathan, for that really fond memory that Will probably repressed because it made him sad. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, I would consider Lonnie leaving to be a great day. Okay, but, but like... The child is probably sad and wet. Yeah, I, I, I would venture to guess as a kid that's not so fun. No. <laughs> like, what a weird memory to bring up. I'm like, Jonathan. It's so Jonathan, though. Like, it is, is that so not, Jonathan. Like, so on par. Yes. Like, it is so Jonathan to just be like, hey, remember this terrible day we had? Awful fucking time. <laughs> but we sure did bond. <laughs> I also love this. Is, you know, a lot of these stories have like a funny little undertone. Yeah, I love how Joyce is like Will's friends. You know, you all got him Star Wars toys for his birthday, but all you wanted was to was to do art. And Mike the is shade. standing there like, I thought Rude. that was a fucking good gift. Yeah, I thought he I liked Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he liked it. Yeah. Wow. Such good uh, stories, everyone. It really is. Mike's speech really it chokes me up. Mike's every is time. the best one. It is the best one when he just talks about feeling so alone. I always think it's kind of funny because like in kindergarten, nobody knows anybody. Like you're all just five years old. Who has who has like established friends at that age? Also, who um, has like a concept of alone? Right. I don't know. Do you? I don't know. Any kindergartners really out there listening? Do you have a concept of alone? <laughs> <laughs> um, are you a kindergartner? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Let us know about your concept of loneliness. <laughs> I hope you can give us some insight. I'm imagining like a really cheaply produced commercial. Are you a kindergartner? Next time I see my four-year-old nephew, I'm going to be like, can you tell me about the concept of loneliness? Have you recently come into contact with asbestos? <laughs> if so, you could be entitled to compensation. <laughs> I mean, listen, kindergartners are, are pretty smart and pretty advanced in, in a lot of ways. I'm not so sure they like have a, a serious concept of like not having any friends, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, poor Mike <clears throat> and Will as kindergartners. So cute. As the group sighs at their failure to reach the real Will, Hopper notices that Will is tapping Morse code into the chair with his finger. The group reconvenes inside, where Hopper insists that Will is talking, just not with words. He writes down the Morse code, spelling out, here. Jonathan decides to blast, should I stay or should I go? And they continue to share memories and stories as Will continues to tap out more Morse code. Lucas and Nancy work on transcribing the code. Close gate. Hmm. Hmm. They draw him out with music, you say? Music and notes and sounds? Weird. Strange. Familiar. Odd. Huh. Stranger things have happened. (laughs) Yeah. Music. That's all we'll say about that. I just love Steve. What is that? Literally everyone. Morse code. (laughs) Like he just is the only one confused. The um speaking of Morse code, we haven't had a soundtrack dealer in a minute. This song does not exist, but it's so good. It's Mm. he called it the soundtrack dealer who I'm gendering as a he for some reason. They named it Morse Code, and it is it is dun 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 dun. dun. That's what it sounds like. 
Oh, I love that that um the I actually think that appears somewhere else. Like I think it's one of those <clears> ones <throat> where they like they didn't know what to do with it in season mm. two, but then it, it appears somewhere else because it sounds so familiar. Yeah, it's such a good synthy, angry, yeah. boppy yeah. song. All of that. The gang is all here. The gang is all here. There is not a single person absent besides Bob. Yes. But like the literally the entire cast is here. Yes, except for Murray, but he's not like no he doesn't yet. count yet yeah the house phone mm. rings revealing their location to will nancy just straight up rips the phone out of the wall and throws it on the floor shit shit but it's too late will is already doing his weird eyelid mind surfing thing hopper realizes that the mind flayer knows where they are so they quickly sedate him again that phone ringing is like the jump scare of the century also <laughs> scared the hell out of like me. would will really hear that yeah, right? It seems like the shed is kind of far away from the house, and it's also, like, insulated and... In a door how, in the yeah, house. Yeah, there's door, Like, I don't know. It seems like a stretch. It does seem very loud, but... It does. But at the same time, again, I think Steve says, like, it could be a phone it anywhere. It could be a phone, literally. The phone... Anywhere. But I don't know, man. The Mind Flayer has, like, a like an air tag. Oh, hidden somewhere in the house or mm. something i don't know okay <laughs> literally though nancy throwing the phone on the floor she's like fuck this phone this has caused cord, us nothing but pain the cord it ronin and yeah nobody wants nobody likes no. the fuck this phone i'm surprised joyce even has a phone we've talked Honestly, about this me too i i picture her just being like i have no interest in speaking to mm. anyone i don't ever. need to receive calls please just text me i wish man don't leave me voicemails either i'm not gonna return them this is how I wish I could unsubscribe from mail. I don't want it. Just like physical mail? Yeah, I don't want that. Okay. Have I'm you tried going paperless? I have. I do for all of my bills, but they still send stuff. Like random stuff. I don't want it. I'm not interested. Anyway. Here we go. All right. Last scene, the everybody. It's the big one. The big boy. Yep. <laughs> the distant growl is heard. <laughs> the group convenes in the house, everyone donning weapons of one form or another uh-huh. prepared for a demodog invasion suddenly though we hear the dogs being killed off and one is thrown through the window startling everyone inside jump scare part two <laughs> the front door then opens by itself revealing 11 in slow motion nose bleeding bitch and makeover the works everyone stares at her in emotional disbelief Upon seeing her, Elle and Mike's eyes both well with tears and the screen goes black. I just got chills reading that. <laughs> I just need to listen to the song again. Oh, it's so beautiful. Mike's face gets me every day. I mean, uh, the the pain and the happiness, like it's just all there on his face. It's so good. Mike is <laughs> armed with a lamp. Is that what that his, is? Or a, a trophy? I couldn't tell. I thought I it was a vase a- or a candelabra. Oh, but- oh yeah, maybe. The, it was hard to tell. Your options seem way more probable. Why would Joyce have a candelabra? <laughs> I don't know. It's the 80s. She doesn't even have rope. They, yeah. Kind of they don't candelabra. have rope. They only have like giant cable wires. <laughs> yeah. Mike Mike is just holding like a, a like a blunt object. I don't know what it is. And and I love. It's better than a fly swatter. Better than a fly swatter for sure. I love when Hopper tries to hand Jonathan the gun and he's like. Oh, oh, oh. And Nancy's like. I got it. I and, can do it. Yeah. And he just hands her a gun. This no is, problem. This is the second time in this chapter that Hopper has asked somebody if they know how to use a gun. And the second time when they're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, and 
our third psionic lock <sighs> opening of the series. Fourth. Fourth? Fourth. The first one in, in Vanishing of Will Byers. Yes. The, the second one when she opens up Terry's lock. The yes. third one in The Lost Sister when they That's open right. up What's-His-Face. Ray his Carroll's door. house. Yeah. yeah. And now that four, four locks yep. opening. This is the fourth one. You're right. Image. I forgot I forgot about the Lost Sister one. Yep. But yeah, this this just oh, Mike's face. Finn Wolfhard deserved an Emmy just for that that one face shot of his face. Yeah. This so scene good. reminds me so much of the scene from season one when Jonathan and Nancy are in the buyer's living room, like right before the Demogorgon shows up and the camera is like spinning around them and like you're yes. getting like a full like like a whole like this. The whole experience. Yeah, like spinning. Whole, like, 360, <laughs> like tilt a whirl, like you're gonna throw up. Like it's just yeah. like it's it's just such a good like cinematic Yes. And it reminds me of what I said earlier, how Stranger Things does such a good job of building tension through mm. scenes like this, where it's like we are being chased, but we don't know really by what, where yeah. it's coming from. Like it, it's like almost like the opposite of an escape sequence where it's like a trapped sequence. Yeah, you're like cornered. So before we wrap up, mm -hmm. I just wanted to shout out, we don't do this very often. No. Um, the music that is playing during the credits of this chapter oh. and it starts playing like as l and mike are seeing each other and like as they're having that like slow motion reveal and it's so good and it's called the return it is on the yes. season two score and i just feel like it really kind of captures what we were saying at the very beginning where it's got this very somber tone but it's also strangely uplifting yeah which kind of feels like this the theme of this chapter like in general there's a lot of tragedy but then there's also this ending of like triumph yeah and it just That's true this i just i love this show you know it reminds me of in season four when nancy is being questioned about fred's death and steve pulls up with mm -hmm. the gang and the look on her face it's relief it just, it's relief it's terrified yeah it's happy it's it's, sad. it's just everything everything yeah they're really good at doing that they are there's just like such a spectrum and you feel everything at the same time yes the return go listen it to it wow this was a packed episode mucho packed <laughs> yes so without further ado let's move on to our final <laughs> segments okay. because dang what an episode how about mvp for this episode marina there's only one MVP of this episode. Yeah. It's Bob. It is Bob. It is Bob. I'm sorry if you picked somebody else. I did not. Okay. Because you would have been <laughs> wrong. Um, yeah. Bob is the only correct answer. They would have been so royally screwed if he didn't know basic and if he didn't yep. volunteer to go into that basement to reboot the computer system. Wow. Yeah. He is a superhero. He is Bob Newby superhero. And yeah, I said he sacrificed himself to save not only the woman he loved but mike will hopper owens and the world everyone pretty much we love you bob thank you for your service bob that's it just thank bob you. just bob i did give an honorable mention to mike everyone was so good they really were mike got an honorable mention for mm -hmm. me though because he did not hesitate nope. he took charge in this episode yeah he was a leader he was a serious leader in this episode and i thank him for that i appreciate mike as an option i agree 
how about your LVP? This one was hard and I had to think and it's maybe a little bit of a cop out, but I went with Neil Hargrove. Same. Yeah, I don't know. He's just an abusive piece of shit and he raised a racist and broken child. So I yes. have no... Everybody did so well. There was not a single character who put a single toe out of line here and Neil yeah. just takes the cake as he is a, he's the worst character and the the baddest the most bad yeah I said pretty much the same yeah I said he I, I feel like he doesn't contribute enough to the plot of this episode but it's gonna have to go to Neil because he's just genuinely the worst yeah I mean he definitely helps us get a more three-dimensional picture of Billy true but he's just an awful person Yes. And I hate yes. to see as much as Billy is this like polarizing character, I hate to see him break down mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah. All right. Do you have anything for 2023? The only thing I have is just I don't know how much we would have really had to deal with something like basic oh, rebooting true. a computer system. Like would would Bob have died? Right? Maybe not. In if this was 2023, I mean, we've already established quite well that this wouldn't even be happening, but True. Would Bob have lived in 2023? Yeah, because I feel like if it it would have been a much more simple computer system that was probably just password protected. Sure. And uh, yeah, Hopper probably would have been able to deal with it fine. Password and would have been Papa for president. Boobies. Boobies with two zeros <laughs> and, and a, a one <laughs> and a Z. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I said if this episode took place in 2023... That phone never would have rang. It would Damn. have been a cell, a cell phone on silent. Or my Apple Watch would have rang. What yeah. if Will was wearing an Apple Watch and he got a text? So true. I, I would hope that they would be smart enough to take that off of him. But. So smart. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. phone would not have rang. Well, wow. Thank you for sticking with us through this MF. This MF, man. This this was a this was a long one. This was a big MF. oh it oh it was a big mf and i will i will tell you about it next week so thank you for listening everybody and until next time rest in peace bob yeah rest in peace bob we're not gonna stay strange today no we're we're gonna gonna, rest in peace instead we're we're gonna have a moment of silence for bob good night everybody (laughs) that's 1 (laughs) 30 stay strange stay strange To keep in touch and stay informed about upcoming StarCourt Study Hall episodes, follow us on Instagram at StarCourt Study Hall. 